When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So on Sunday nights, Bloom always comes over and we talk about how Bloom's my my neighbor. I didn't ever think I'd have a second neighbor on the podcast, but here he is, Alan Lazard. What is up? How are we doing? Thanks for having me. I haven't I haven't done one of these with you and you were just you were just like a baby then, it seems like. You're yeah. all like grown up now, man. Yeah, I thought I was grown up back then, but <laughs> I got a little bit more facial hair now and Oh, you're looking good. Yeah, thank you. So you live in, you're my neighbor now. Like, this is like a real thing. Right. I think most people, I don't think most people know. I think most people do, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh. Why do you say that? Like, is it, is that like the talk? Like, whenever you go around, hey, I got, heard you got a house in Bondurant? Yeah. Well, I've had a few people show up at my house. Shut up. Yeah. Just randomly. This is probably. That's weird. Back in. March, April, I remember two guys. I was out of town, luckily, um, and my two roommates were there, and it was like 11.30 on a Thursday night. These two guys just showed up with beers in their hand, knocking on the door, asking for me. So my friend answered the door, and he's like, obviously denied that I lived there. Didn't want to disclose the location exactly, but... That's a good move. He was just like, what were you guys' plan? Like, <laughs> Did they, yeah. like you... You thought that you could just knock on the front door and he would just come out and just be like ecstatic to greet you guys and be like, wow, this is this is what I've been waiting for all day. Thank you for showing up, guys. So there's been a few incidences, but. I um, say at least they brought beer. I mean, it's yeah, worse. I don't, I don't know if they were going to share it, though. Well, what kind of beer was it? Is the key, like oh, I couldn't call it. I wasn't there. So, OK. Yeah. Well, it, no. So I was at the coffee shop. I go there quite a bit. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, of course. Which is the title, the name of the shop, <laughs> just to <laughs> yeah. make sure we preface that. And the guy, so the guy who owns it was like, he'd know that I do Cyclone Fanatic. He's like, yeah, Lazard was just in here. And I was like, oh, that's random. Right. I was thinking like, oh, he must have gotten off a plane and he was driving up to Ames and for some reason he stopped. And then he's like, the guy's like, no, he lives here now. And I was like, that's really, really freaking random. It is. Why did you move to Bondurant? We knew the builders of the, uh, of the spot that I had. So um, uh, so you bought a new construction here in town. Correct. Which there, for those who don't know, there's new construction everywhere, everywhere. in everywhere. this town. Yeah. So um, Todd and Shelly McKinney, um, their son Keaton, I actually grew up playing AU basketball with. Um, then that my name sounds familiar. Keaton McKinney played at Ankeny. Yep. Pitcher. Went to Arkansas. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's how I knew it. Okay. Yeah. So um, him and my best friend, Ryan Lillard, um, work at HRG Insurance and um, kind of just got the connection through that way. They were building these new townhouses and asked if we would want to, because they, they knew that we were trying to like kind of get a spot around here. Um, I didn't really want to live in Des Moines or Urbandale necessarily. I just kind of wanted to get a little spot outside of town. And yeah, so we ended up falling to this spot. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So, 
you're just living here basically in the off season. Then. Correct. And like I was kind of telling you before was that I wasn't planning on living here too long. And then things happened, trades happened and whatnot. And then I ended up living here for about six months now. That was about how long I've been here. You've had a wild off season, even though you're, you're in the same spot. It's just yeah. been, it just feels like there's been a lot. There I, has been. <laughs> I'm excited for you though. I mean, we, I was going to get to the NFL stuff later, but like, so I'm a Vikings fan, you know that, but yeah. So I don't want you to do too well. I'm just kidding. I hate having you and Montgomery in the division. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. I like the NFC North. It, it, it's. I have yet to lose the NFC North game. That's what a lot of people don't realize. Seriously? Never lost an NFC North game. The times that we did lose the Vikings, I wasn't playing. Oh, okay. Both, both past two years. And I think those are the only time we lost because we haven't lost to the Bears. So you're undefeated in the North. I'm undefeated in the North. I feel like that division's just kind of a crapshoot this year, too. I mean, I'm sure you think you got the best team, but like. Yeah, I mean, back-to-back MVP um, winner definitely helps, I feel like. And obviously, I have a lot of confidence in myself. Man, I'm fired up for you. This is like, I mean, obviously. This is what we've been waiting for, well, yeah. like, for a few years. Yeah, well, clearly, you probably want Devontae with you. But, yeah. I mean, he's elite. There's no doubt about that. But this is like, th- this is enough to make me excited about, like, Packers preseason games and, like, minicamp. Like, because I'm, like, watching the roster. Mm-hmm. Like, this is your shot, like, to be the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's been a long time coming. You know, obviously, wasn't really expecting to go undrafted in, in the route that I've taken so far in the NFL. But, you know, I went up the other side of the mountain, and I'm still here. I'm is still. that the worst thing? Like hindsight, clearly you would have liked that signing bonus to be a first yeah. round picker. <laughs> yeah, undoubtedly. But but like I, I mean, I think the, everything works out. Um, you know, I think everything there's a purpose for it and everything. I think that you know, going undrafted, going to Jacksonville, it definitely had a toll on me, and um, it was a tough time experience. But it taught me a lot, and I grew a lot as an individual and as a professional as well. Well, you're gonna have a hell of a lot of perspective if you don't already. You know, at some point, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to coach or if you want to teach. No, nah, no, nah, coaches, coaching is definitely not. Unless it's like my son or my kids or whatever. Um, you don't want to be like nah. Matt Campbell and spending seventeen hours a day at the. That's just not. I, I've already <laughs> dedicated so much of my time. And, I get it. And energy towards this game that I do love. I do love for sure. But coaching on top of what I've already done, I don't, I don't feel like it's in my future. That. At least you know that, though, because it, it just seems like to me a lot of guys where in, I'm talking more fewer guys who are in the league, but like the, it's so hard for them to let the game go when it's over, you know? It is. It is definitely tough, but, you know, this is going in my fifth year, so I feel like even though I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a full veteran yet or a vet just because I haven't got to that second contract, um, I feel like I have a lot of perspective of just not only just the NFL, but just football in general. And so knowing knowing the time and the effort that I've put in so far, I know that eventually I'm going to want to shift my focus towards something else. That's cool. You kind of looking back at it now, you clearly, again, you'd rather be a first round pick, but you've, you've landed in a really good spot. So Name, image, and likeness in the college game. I've always said this, that you and the Yang would have been the guys who would have cashed in on this the most. Wow. And Joel. Yeah, and Joel. Absolutely. Joel would have got paid pretty well, too. Joel would have. Like, did, 
if this kind of putting you on the spot, but like if <laughs> if this was the case now, would you have gone to Iowa State, or would it have been a deal where I think maybe not the NLI thing, but I think the the transfer, how people can transfer and play right away. Um, reflecting on my first two years here and how everything turned out, Coach Rose getting fired, you know, more than likely I probably would have ended ended up transferring after my sophomore year because I probably would have had a bunch of offers and yeah, um, um, you could have gone anywhere you wanted to. Yeah, and I could have done that out of high school. So um, I would like to think that it would have been the same options and whatnot. Yeah, um, absolutely. Would back in college, but I'm definitely more than. I don't regret staying in Iowa State. I don't regret going to Iowa State or anything. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that, you know, I can go back and train there every single day. And it's for free. <laughs> and, you know, I think yeah. everyone loves things for free. But um, just the, the love and the support that those guys have up there for me and everything. And um, being around those the, the kids in the locker room and just being able to spend time around around them and, and spit some game to them and kind of give them my knowledge as far as my experience has been is only helping them as individuals and as a, as a program grow as well. Yeah. And I, I always kind of one of my arguments for Iowa state, like compared to let's say USC just thrown out like the biggest city out there is like, if you go there, like Caleb Williams, for instance, he's going to get like reportedly like three, $4 million, which is great. Good for him. He's, mm-hmm. he's somebody's willing to pay you that. Then that's what you're worth. But like for, Guys like you and George, Joel, Naz, Tyrese, you guys are like, there's like this legendary iconic status that will be with you for forever because like Iowa State, like it's the pro sport, right? Right. Like there's a benefit to that. Now, we'll see where the, you know, kind of the money goes with it. Now, yeah. now like if you would have been offered $4 million to go play it, LSU, I would have said, Alan, go play, go play at LSU. But you you, you get what I'm saying though. Cause like, I've been watching like what you, what you've been doing this summer and like giving back, like that is really special though. You just can't replicate that. Yeah. And that's something that's always, I've always pride myself in that, you know, growing up here, there was no public figure of that nature that I feel like really anyone could really attach themselves to that. No. Oh, he grew up in the Des Moines or even just in Iowa in general. And he still comes back and gives back and you see him and you can interact with them and you can be able to share those experiences. So for me, being that person that I always wanted or looked, looked forward to or wanted to have in my life is um, something that I've really kind of trying to hone in on, especially, you know, since I moved back and everything to show the kids that just because you're from Iowa doesn't mean that you can't achieve whatever it is that you want to in life if you guys hear my dog dirks is in the background he's a good boy <laughs> alan's giving him a good <laughs> good rub down there with those wide receiver hands um it seems to me though that you've made a real effort like you're not just like a guy who's here like you're really trying like i i have a friend and he put um eric klein you met him this weekend uh mm-hmm. who's a veteran and uh, you did a thing like this weekend where you, I mean, you're not out like trying to promote this stuff. Like I can tell it's not like, Oh, this is yeah. a PR campaign by Alan. I also know of another deal. So 
whenever an Iowa State guy does something interesting, people will always text me. And I, I heard like that you showed up at Ankeny and you were helping like kids cross the street. Oh yeah. Like on the last day of school or something like that. My point is it seems like you're really putting forth an effort to help the community and yeah. in that. What what was the deal like with the veterans? I thought that was really interesting this weekend. Um so the well first the the crossing the street thing was my cousin. Uh, my cousin lives in Ankeny. His kids um, go to school there, and he had hit me up and just said, "Hey, would you like to stop by?" He he runs the crosswalk. It's on. I I couldn't tell you what street it was, but it's a very busy street. Okay. And he kind of since COVID has happened, he kind of volunteered to be the the cross guard, and so I just showed up like seven seven fifteen whatever. Took some pictures with the kids, ate some donuts, <laughs> and you know, just <laughs> yeah. I heard you brought donuts. Like, I didn't bring them. Oh, didn't you bring didn't bring them. Yeah, oh, okay. They brought them. Okay. They brought them, but. <laughs> I was all smiles and everything, but for the veterans, it was, um, you know, Lindsay long. I'm not sure if you're, yeah, I know Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah, Lindsay's awesome. Um, but I came to her a few months ago and I was just like, Hey, um, you know, I'm kind of ready to start a foundation or a charity to start giving back and to like raise awareness for, um, veterans, you know, two things that I really care about are, are kids and veterans. Um, so we originally wanted to do an event here on the 22nd of July and kind of try, trying to get like all the paperwork um, filed and everything, the 5013C3 and everything to make sure it's a, a legal charity yeah. and that the money was going to the right places yeah. and stuff. It kind of took a little bit longer than what we expected and um, just trying to figure all this stuff out. You know, we kind of realized that like, all right, let's take a step back and let's first, let's ask the veterans what, what do they need? You know, I shouldn't, mm -hmm. me as an athlete, I shouldn't just be like, hey, here, here, I'm going to help you in this particular department when maybe they don't need as much help in that. Yeah. You know, so we had a luncheon this past weekend and was able to sit down with those guys and kind of just hear their stories, um, hear where they feel like the flaws or the voids that need to be filled and everything. And it was very touching, very motivating. And, um, yeah, we're going to keep on building it. You know, I told those guys, I said, in five to ten years, it's really one that's going to start to – you know, come full circle and everything. So, yeah, it was a great experience, and I'm, I'm very excited to keep growing it. What is it about veterans that moves you? Well, I mean, growing up, I wanted to be in the Secret Service. I always thought, like, you know, Mission Possible, like those movies and I stuff. I see you doing that. Were super cool, but then, yeah. you know, my face, my name's kind of everywhere now. <laughs> so There's nothing secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, not, not too much of a secret anymore. You so. got guys showing up at your Exactly. Door with beer in the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> which is still astounding. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I've always, you know, just taken a liking to military, and just you know, more so, just have just been honored just by like the those that literally sacrifice their lives and their livelihoods, their families, or whatever they're doing to go out there on the front line and to allow me to yeah. to pursue my dreams, to pursue you know, to be a football player is possible because of people that make sacrifices on a daily basis. So um, I've always just wanted to give back to those people um, and to thank them because I, I don't think there's, and there isn't, there's not too much of a, you know, they, they the the government spends millions and millions of dollars on these people to, to prepare them to be able to go overseas and to protect us and everything. But they build them all the way up, but they don't help them get back down. Yeah. So when they come back over here, the transitioning from combat and from war back to civilian life, whether it's just being able to be mentally healthy or if it's able to get another job and find a new career and a new passion, um, you know, and, and everything in between. 
of just kind of figuring out how, how I can help them um, just kind of live a more sustainable life and to be able to not have issues when they come back. Well, I mean this, we always, we've, we've kind of done a thing over the years with Psycho and Fanatic with childhood cancer, but I've, it, it's just funny. I had no idea what you did on Saturday was a charity thing. I thought that you were just giving some time to meet with these guys, but I've all, so if you, you look behind you, I've got a whole um, rack on my wall here in my office with my uncle Dick's uh, military stuff. And yeah. that it's a big deal to me too. So my, my point is if we can ever help yeah. promote and raise money, I'd love to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Keep, it's it's keep more so like mind. right now, I just kind of figuring, yeah. you know, figuring which direction to head, you know, well, let's do some kick-ass like events together, golf absolutely. events. And yeah, I think next summer we'll definitely be able to kind of orchestrate some things. And like I said, it's more so this year, just like figuring out like what, where's the need at, you know, and, yeah. and how can we help? And, and a lot of them are like, there's a lot of, great foundations out there and um, support groups and everything. But sometimes it's not as much as worth their time, you know, talking more in particularly towards like the spouses and the children on the, you know, from, from that perspective. So, you know, just being able to do whatever we do to make sure that we're utilizing those people's time and make a memorable experience for them. Are you into history? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Yeah. I was just wondering, I, I'm a history buff. (laughs) I, Every off season, I try and pick a topic mm. to like dive into. I'm I'm weird. What did you pick this year? World War II. Mm. Except I, I I usually pick very specific things. Okay. So I didn't pick like the war in general. I've been doing the United States war with Japan because I feel like with World War II, we always hear about the Holocaust mm-hmm. in Germany and Hitler, and yeah. I always felt like there's this whole other part of the war that didn't. Of course, we've heard about Pearl Harbor and all that stuff, but like, right. I'm always like, you know, why you have all this stuff going on in Europe? Why all of a sudden, like, is Japan like bombing? And so I, I've, mm-hmm. I've like really gone deep into that, and it's been an eye-opening thing to me how horrible. Like we've all we've all heard about D-Day, right? And right. The, the beaches of Normandy and all that. Mm-hmm. How horrible things were like for our veterans in that era, like specifically fighting the Japanese. Like, am I, the reason I'm saying this is like, there's not like the, the guy you met with, he's actually the, the father of my niece's boyfriend. So we've got, we got history. He's from my hometown. Good wow. guy. Small world. <laughs> Very small world. Welcome to Iowa. <laughs> he sent me the picture of you guys. That's the only reason I even knew about this. Wow. Um, my point is we don't know what these guys and and women go through and mm-hmm. unless you seek it out. Yeah. But there's just not a lot of that out there, right? Like unless you're seeking it out like you are. You just right. I mean, I, I you, you could have a guy live across the street from you who's a veteran who is terrified like when he hears a firework go off and we don't know anything about it. Right. You know. Right. Just educating yourself and just yeah, you know the more the more you can learn about those guys and what they go through, and the more that you can help, you know, I think is the the best way to go about it. All right, I wanted to talk a little bit about the. Are we, I'm kind of pissed you got me drinking out of this Vikings okay. cup. Now that I just realized it, <laughs> it's not a Vikings cup. It's a skull with a Viking on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a. All right, so we're drinking a we're drinking a Cody Road old fashioned. I asked Alan what his drink drink of choice was i wanted to be a good host you are so far so good so i made him an old-fashioned 
with Cody Road. This was a restaurant in Des Moines. It was not a Minnesota Vikings bar. It was called Skull. It was like Norwegian food. But I could totally see how if you're a wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. It's more so the fact that you're a huge Vikings fan. <laughs> so I figure it's like you like getting like truth. a little getting off to like the fact that I'm drinking out of a cup. <laughs> a Vikings cup. <laughs> I, I, I Do you want to honestly? So these are very tall bourbon glasses. Very. I wanted to find the tallest glass possible so we didn't have to like refill 14 times. Fair enough. During the podcast, but I could, I could absolutely see why you're subtly offended by the fact <laughs> that I have you drinking out of this class. Yes. Are, are fans like me nuts? Like, because like a guy like you, like you play for the Packers and I know you love the organization. What a fan base to play for too, by the yeah. way. It's like, Incredible. they're kind of like Iowa state fans. They're just nuts. Yeah. But like, I mean, if you get traded, like, then you're going to give your all to, like, but fans like me, I've been a Vikings fan since Herschel Walker got, was traded there. Mm -hmm. That's why I became a Vikings fan. And I just, like, live and breathe off of every snap. Is a guy like me nuts? Like, what, how, how did the, how does a pro athlete, like, think of a guy like me? You know, first of all, like I said, I don't judge. If judge. you judge, you wouldn't be sitting here right now. You've exactly. known me for too long. <laughs> exactly. No, I think, you know, I think guys like you or just fans in general are what make this sport so great. You yeah. know, it's, yeah, that's true. it's, it's to be, to go out there in week one and there to be 70 plus thousand people screaming because they love the team so much and to be in that hostile environment and to be able to walk away with a win. You know, that's something that's, that you work for all off season really. And something that you, you, you know, that's what you do. All, you put all this extra work in, you put all this time, this energy, this effort, is to be able to play in an environment like that and to entertain people, you know, at the end of the day. Do you love Lambo? I do. It's magical. Kind of feels like if you start at Lambo and then you get traded to like Arizona, it would be kind of a letdown. Just, just, yeah. just throwing out a spit random, but like I'm saying that atmosphere is like a college atmosphere. Yeah, well, it's just. It really blows my mind, honestly, on how the Packers are still in Green Bay, on how it's such a small town and the history and everything. If you just think about professional sports in general, yeah, there's no other professional team that is so massive, really, within its own It's league, its own brand. Its own yeah, brand, like, like even at the NFL, but just in sports in general, the Packers are, you know, they're part of the Yankees, the Lakers, like the elite of the league. Um, organizations in sports history, but for it to be in a town of a hundred thousand people in the middle of Wisconsin, like, and for it to still strive and to bring that many people every single week and to sell out season tickets for 20 plus years in advance. Like it's an incredible, incredible business from that standpoint. I've never been there. Everybody always, so I've had really bad experiences as a road fan in NFL stadiums. <laughs> like I'll never go back to Kansas city again. Like really? just horrific, like how they treated me in a Vikings Jersey. And I, and I wasn't even be a mouthy, believe it or not. Um, so I was always like, no, I'll never go. But I have really good friends who are huge Packers fans. Like I have a group of friends that are all Milwaukee guys. Well, I feel like if you're a Packer, like if you're a Packer fan, you're a diehard. There's no like teetering the line. I'm like, but Oh yeah, I like the Packers. It's like, no, I live and breathe the Packers. And they're not, from what I, they're not like douchebags. They're, they're just like down home. Like, yeah, 
They love beer and football. Yeah. Like, that's their thing. It's the culture, I think, you know, of just what the Green Bay Packer organization represents of just sustained success. Never change your uniforms. Never. You know, everything's the exact same. Yep. The lockers, they, they, they hang our clothes in the lockers the exact same way in every single locker, every single day. It's amazing. Like, what do you mean? Like your jerseys and like, well, so in our locker, we say we have, we have one, one gray long sleeve, one short sleeve. Talking about like your practice gear or like, uh, yeah, like workout. Okay. Workout. Gotcha. So then like shorts are, uh, sweatpants. Everything is hung up on the same hook, identical to all the lockers. Everything's hung up the same way in every single locker. You got really low standards. Like this is your thing. <laughs> well, it's just you know, it's more so. Kidding. It's more so just like the you didn't dis- have that at Iowa discipline. State. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. At Iowa I State. get what you're saying. Like the when you say the discipline, it's like a almost militaristic type yeah. of like. It's respectable for me, and I think you know, for people that view football or just. Yeah. Um, life in general, the same way that I do. It's, it's, you know, to do that over and over and over and over and over for years and years and years, it's just like, well, that's why they win a lot of games because of how they go about their business. Yeah. The culture doesn't change, even though the, see, that was kind of what I was getting to with the, with the fan thing. Yeah. Cause it's fascinating to me how a guy like me. So I became a Vikings fan. I was, a, my dad was a Cowboys fan. Raised me to be a Cowboys fan. Herschel Walker gets traded to the Vikings. I flip my dad the bird <laughs> right before all the Super Bowls. And I became a Vikings fan. And I always say it was the worst decision of my life. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Horrible. I mean, it's been a terrible decision. It hasn't paid off. It's nope. just been heartbreak. Awful. But, like, I'm there no matter who the players are. We're in college. It's like there's always, like, some similarity. Guys are there for five years. And then, you know, you know what I mean? Right. It's just, it's really interesting to me. The the older that I get, it's like, why do I put all this into this? But then, and I always swear, like, because then they'll piss me off and I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. But like you're saying, like, September rolls around and I'm locked in. Locked in. Thinking that you have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, let alone win the North. Yeah. And then you guys ruin it for me more often than not. Yeah. What? Well, so I remember when you get to Green Bay. And Rogers starts talking about you in like post game, like of like, and he's just talking about you in like preseason. He just throws your name out there one day. I'm like, oh wait, what? Did he say Allen's name? Right. It seemed like that guy was always really pulling for you. Yeah, since since really I first got there. What is what was it about you that he liked so much? You think? I don't know. No. <laughs> was it your like personality or like the field stuff? Or I, I think it's personality. I think it's uh, my mindset. On, I really just, I don't care about the the glitz and glam. You know, I just want to win. And I think he can sense that. He saw how much I was locked in. You know, when I first got there, first day, I was part of um, Coach LaFleur's first, you know, season and everything. So his first team meeting and everything, we're all sitting in there in the team room. And he, and he first thing he says is, everyone stand up and switch your seat because people have been sitting in the seats kind of like their their seat for the team room and he just wanted everyone to change get around new people and whatnot so i got up and i'm brand new basically i don't really know too many people um i'm pretty sure aaron didn't know my name then but 
I see him sit down and no one was sitting next to him. And so I said, you know, if I want to stay here, I'd probably want to get close to this guy, <laughs> you know, and, and if not, I don't get close to him. At least I can pick up a few things um, of his habits, things that he does, whatever. And so I sat a seat over from him, not directly next to him, but there's a seat in between. And I think that's just like kind of where it started. You know, I was sitting next to him. Um, we it's a ballsy got, move. It was, you know, it definitely took a lot of courage because it wasn't the thing that I set out to do. It just kind of presented itself. And so since then, you know, started small talk conversations here and there. I'm um, obviously working with him on the field and everything. And then I would ask him questions all the time about, you know, why did he do this? Or what, what, is he, what would he think about that? Or how did he like my route on this and that? And so that just kind of just started the our relationship from there. And it just kept it on growing. It, it, would you have, would you have done that if you were a first round pick? Yeah, I probably would have probably would have had more courage to do uh, it. Okay, I, I was probably, wondering. I probably would have had more courage to do it. Being the position that I was in, that undrafted, you know, I spent the whole year in Jacksonville the year before. I got to Green Bay the last two weeks of the season, but those last two weeks, everyone's mentally checked out. You know, they had yeah. fired McCarthy the week before. They weren't going to the playoffs. Everyone by that time, you're just like just get me to the last game so I can get to the off season and be healthy. And, you know, we'll get, get this thing going next year. So, but for you, it was like, this is like a new lease on life. I got to prove myself. Oh, it was a, a whole new lease on life. Like I remember when I first got that call and I knew that I was going to green Bay that I knew that I had to take advantage of the situation because they, everyone knows the NFL stands for not for long. And that would have been me going into my second year and the average career is two and a half years. So I'm already past the halfway mark of the average career. What's the average career for an undrafted free agent? Uh, it got to be less than two and a half. It's got to be less than one, I would think. Yeah. I mean, the chances. Even though I appreciate like the NFL is made up of 60 per, 60% of undrafted guys. Is it really? Yeah. I would never guess that. There's more undrafted guys than there probably is drafted, I think, just because of uh, from the business standpoint, it's cheaper. You know, that way you can pay guys $50 million a year yeah. and, and, you know, keep a ton of few guys down there on the low, on the cheapest there's, minimum wage. There's really good research on that. Do you like Malcolm Gladwell? Do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. He's an author, but he also does like podcasts. Okay. And he does a whole podcast on Belichick and the Patriots and like how they built that dynasty. Mm-hmm. And it that's why they're trading picks all the time to just stack up and get like, Six, six and seventh round picks right. because they can keep those guys on their two deeps because they're really talented. They think that they're really good talent evaluators, mm-hmm. which they are. For and then they can pay those guys the minimum and keep Brady and yeah. right. Like there's a lot. There's there's a lot to that. It's very strategic. And the more I've spent in the NFL, the more I've kind of learned about that on how roster building is and everything on on why some teams. Like where they invest their money is it offense, is it defense, is it skill players, is it the O line, D line, is it the quarterback? You know, and just I've just been able to kind of look at it from a third person perspective of just like understanding on how each organization runs itself. Don't you fit though, like in the north? Like it just seems to me like because I, I I won't lie, I've thought about you in purple. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people have, but like it seems like you're a guy who fits in that like outdoor. Big wide receiver. Cold weather. 
<laughs> is that fair? Yeah. You're probably like, no, I'd rather be in Miami. But like, no, I feel like that's your yeah. niche. Like you might do this for a while. Yeah. I mean, I plan on doing it for at least, I want to get to year 10. You know, that's definitely the goal. And I'm almost halfway there. Um, you got more than that, buddy. I mean. You got a lot of tread on those tires. For sure. But you don't want to <laughs> retire when there's no tread left. <laughs> you know, you still totally. want to have, have some left. And you have to be able to keep walking around and be able to be healthy from that standpoint. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, I like the North. I, I like, obviously, it's treated me very well <laughs> the past few years. I have a great quarterback. Um, we've won a lot of games and everything. So, yeah, I and I know how to, because I've grown up in Iowa, I've played in this type of weather and environments for so long that I know come November and December is usually when I play my best football. That's what I'm saying. And and that's usually, you know, when the, the defense, especially DBs that are 10, 15, 20 pounds lighter than me, they're, they're colder naturally. So it's easier for me just to get that mental advantage in those last few weeks and everything, and as well as to be able to separate and to be able to have success. So back back to Rodgers. So like a guy like me, I'm a Vikings fan. I'm like, ah, I hate that guy. <laughs> Would I like to have a beer with him? Yeah. I figured that you were going to tell me. He's, I knew you were going to tell I mean, me that. I mean, he's but. nothing. He, he's always good for a great conversation. Yeah. You he know? seems smart. Uh, I tell people he's the smartest human being I've ever met. Really? Yes. Just about like just everything in general or? Just, yeah. He's very knowledgeable. I mean, the thing that threw me off one day was like, we were hanging out, and I forgot what we were talking about. But he was like, uh, how about you say, come over to the house around 8 o'clock. He's like, that's usually when I get done with my Spanish tutor. My Spanish tutor. <laughs> and I was like, this dude's in the middle of the season taking Spanish class. And it's not because maybe it's because he wants to generally learn Spanish, but I think he just, he's always trying to improve himself. You know, he's yeah. always trying to ex- ex- extend his knowledge in that standpoint. So that's something that always like kind of stuck out for me. And well, it makes sense if you're that, that good. Right. And he, he plays the guitar and he's very, you know, he's very knowledgeable in a lot of different subjects and areas. Would you be where you're at without him? You think, or did he take you under his wing and push you to a new level? Yes and no. You know, um, I definitely have an insurmountable amount of confidence and belief in my abilities and everything. But to not acknowledge his talent and ability, as well as his guidance and leadership that he's provided and mentorship for me, would be, um, you know, I, I couldn't dismiss that from that perspective. Because he might be, depending on who you ask, the greatest of all time. He might. He's the be, be, like, he's the best person ever to pick up a football and throw it. Now you can talk about the quarterback position. You can talk yeah. about. Uh, as a player, as a coach, or whatever, um, we can dispute that stuff. But undoubtedly, he's the best person to ever pick up a football and throw it. And now Patrick Mahomes, I feel like, is well, by the time he's done with his career, could give him a run for his money just because of how much he's added to his game. But if you really look at it, Aaron's been doing a lot of the stuff Patrick's been doing for a long time. Yeah. And it just hasn't gotten publicized and highlighted as much as uh, when Pat – because, I mean, I feel like a lot of Patrick's – like ooh and ah came because he was so young when he did it. You know, he was his second year in the league, third year in the league, and he was making these highlight plays. But so was Aaron. But Aaron just didn't get a play till his fourth, fifth year. He had to sit behind Brett Favre for four years. So That's I think just, that, that changes a lot of things as well. Do you ever talk shit to Mahomes about beating them by sixty points? <laughs> I haven't yet. No, no. I got I got to beat him in uh, the NFL first. 
I haven't beat him yet. That's the thing about Rodgers that's like, that's so crazy is that he didn't play for so long. Where now it's like if you're not granted, he was in the mid 20s because of that whole deal. But right. like first round guys now, if you're drafted in the first round, I mean, you better you're probably going to play. be playing. Right. You know, it's pretty rare for you not to be. And he sat there for like four years. Yeah, but I think that's just what makes it you more so unique is just because of the Green Bay Packers, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously having Brett in front of him was a huge reasoning for that. But I think that's just the 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 Green Bay Packers organization. They like to really be able to kind of grow up their players in that sense and give them time to grow into their own and be able to flourish. It's just crazy to think, too, in like the modern day NFL that one organization's had two quarterbacks for that long. Disgusting, honestly. <laughs> it's disgusting that they've been able to have. Well, look at my team. Like, how many guys have we had in that same 20, 25? Yeah. Couldn't call it. Yeah. Like, it's it's freaking crazy. Yeah. So, it's the luck of the draw, and then a lot of it's planning on the future and also adjusting on the fly. Okay. So, this offseason, you're hanging out here in Bondurant, reclaimed rails. <laughs> I haven't gone there yet. Oh, we got to get you there. Yeah. Well, we probably can't now. I don't know if you should be drinking the craft beers before minicamp. Yeah. Or had, All right. I had an old-fashioned night. <laughs> you did. Um, what, like, is there an extra gear this offseason? Like, I know, clearly you've been working hard to get to where you're at, but, like, right. Adams gets traded. Yeah, I I'm, think the focus definitely honed in a little bit more. And I don't even think it's necessarily that in particular, but also just this being my last year and my rookie rookie deal and everything and, trying to get to that second contract and to get that stability and security for the future. Um, but then obviously Devontae leaving kind of just like made me take a step back. I'm like, well, I'm kind of the old, like I'm not the oldest, but like I am the guy in the room now. And like when I first got there, it was Devontae. And so I'm, I'm able to do one reflect on when I first got there. Cause when I first got there, Devontae was 26 and that's when they had got rid of Jordy. They got rid of Jordy. I think when I first came in the league, and I was in Jacksonville, so he had he had Randall my first year. Randall left, so then Devonte was the guy in the room, and so just remembering how he kind of went about his business and how he how he practiced every day, um, how he how he mentored, how he led, and just um, you know he he had a, a a great positive impact on me, not just on the field but off the field as well. So you report this weekend? Yeah. Before Tuesday, but I'm going back this week. Yeah. Okay. All right. And you got a place, like your own place there, and like, mm -hmm. awesome. Yep. All right. Do you, um, do you, do you still take, do you get to watch Iowa State games or are Saturdays? So what, what's the Saturday like in the NFL? It's probably busy, right? Yeah. We have 830, 8.30 special teams meetings, you, you like around the time we start. Um, we got special teams to offense, defense, and then we go into a walkthrough. And the walkthrough usually ends around 11, 11, 15 maybe. And so during that time period, if it's an away game, you know, we usually leave around 1, 1 for our flight. So I go home, get changed, make sure my bag's packed, and I kind of head out. So if they're playing at 11, I'll be able to kind of catch a few few uh, quarters maybe if I'm lucky but most of the time it's you know they're playing in the afternoon or something I'm usually in the air yeah or whatnot and then I'm also just more so focused on what I gotta go do here in the totally. next 24 hours and 
to pay attention. But I try to try to keep as keep up as much as possible. Well, I see you at basketball games. You you went to a lot of basketball games this year. Yeah, were you getting into that? Yeah, Sukup, Steve Sukup. Yeah, I seen you at courtside. He he's the man. You know, he's definitely looking out. Dude, out, yeah, amazing dude. Um, he looked out for me um, from that perspective and everything. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always obviously been a, a huge Iowa State fan since I was little, you know. Really, like, I remember back in high school, like, I looked up to George and the Nas so much. And, like, I idolized them so much because they were at Iowa State before I was there and everything. I was just a huge, huge Iowa State fan. So I've always just loved Iowa State athletics and um, and always, always supported them to the best and whenever I could. You went to the – the NCAA tournament, didn't you? The Sweet Sixteen. I, yeah. said, I thought I, th- I thought I saw you there. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Steve uh, was. You went to the Sweet Sixteen too, right? Like just that one, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I say, went, you they, went... we, they played. I think KU here at home. Yeah. On like a Monday night, maybe. Yeah. Um, I went to that game here at Hilton, and then Steve was was nice enough to let me fly on his his private jet with him out to Chicago. That's not bad. That's not a bad gig. No, no, there and back same day. Oh, you get that. You get that second contract and. You get your own private jet. (laughs) I don't know if it'd be as nice as his, but yeah, I'll get a crop duster. (laughs) So uh, the the Campbell stuff, like he's always, they're always saying he's going to leave. He hasn't. How would would Campbell? What would he be like in the NFL? I don't. Campbell's not a. I don't think he would want to be in the NFL. I think he strives with young men of being able to nurture them and to kind of develop them and everything. Um, obviously, he's a fantastic coach. Yeah. I think he's even a better leader. And the NFL dynamic is just a lot different because you have a lot more older players and players are making more money than you. So it's just a different dynamic from that standpoint. Now, could he? Undoubtedly. I mean, he's a great coach. He would just have to change his coaching ways from that perspective on how he'd go about things. Um, but, yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't. I don't – I think he likes his. I think he likes it here in Ames. Oh, I do too. He's clearly turned down a lot of opportunities to. Oh yeah, more than more than what a lot of people think. <laughs> yeah, no, I I would agree with you there. Speaking of the locker room, let's say in in five years, I I have no idea how this name, image, likeness thing's going to go. Like I'm I'm of the opinion the players should just be getting paid. Like, like I I think it's stupid that fans through these collectives. Fans are already paying for tickets, and like they shouldn't have to pay the players too. No, like this should be the university. Yeah, that's that's my opinion as well. Let's say though it doesn't change, and like you got a quarterback making a million dollars, and the guy he's throwing to is just getting scholarship, like status quo. Will will that eventually haunt locker rooms? Naturally, especially for younger kids who are more um, immature. I mean, it yeah. happens in the level that I'm at, you know, just naturally with people being envious and um, wanting more money. I mean, what about the offensive linemen, right? right. Who's I was, their name, image, and likeness, if we're going off of that, right, is not as valuable as a guy like you who's catching touchdowns, right? Like, yeah. it's just the nature, like, those guys have never. Right. Been the ones on late night talk shows after the Super Bowl. Like right. it, this is just how it is. Like I don't know. It just seems but to be their value like, is yeah, they're arguably if, if not more important than yeah. the other guys as well. So it's yeah, I think it'll be 
I think the next, like we said, five to ten years is basically just like a testing time of just like trying to figure, everyone's trying to figure it out, you know. No one really knows how this is supposed to work or how it's going to go. You know, I, I really, I've really, I've been a soccer fan for a while now, and I always thought the how they've structured, you know, their academies from the kids growing up and, and be able to, to um, mold them from a young age as professionals in that sense was kind of more so the right way to do it, of, of how to go about grooming kids into being a professional or collegiate athlete from that standpoint. Do you pay attention at all to, like, this – realignment stuff like the the conferences yeah yeah i'm guessing there's going to be like probably three big conferences here in the here in a few you think we'll be okay though right i mean we'll be in the big 12 i mean i wouldn't mind going to the big 10 either you know i I think it it really makes more sense honestly none of this stuff makes sense if we're being honest like but if we're going off of (laughs) geography yeah well yeah absolutely that's how it should should have been in the big 10 well back in the day when you were a kid on the, we had the we had the Big Twelve North and South. Well, you, you could drive to every game, All right? You know, like I mean, it was like okay, we're going to Nebraska, Missouri. Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri's four hours. All right. Even Colorado was like the farthest one, but right. you could still do it. Mm-hmm. And now, like I mean, I, I worry about West Virginia. Well, and if they expand to the West, which I I kind of hope they do at this point, because I like that'd be better for the big 12 long-term, but it's like, right. I worry about if Iowa state would get put in like a pod with like BYU, Utah, Colorado, the Arizona schools. Like, God, that sucks. Yeah. I'm just having to, the travel is really like what I think about the most, especially just because for football, at least it's, you know, it's a one day travel. Basketball is a little bit easier on how they travel and can, can move around and whatnot. But yeah, it, it's, it's weird. What if you're like a, Three-star prospect. Okay, you're a wide receiver, three-star prospect. And you can go and make makes decent money in the SEC. Let's just say you're going to go play for Kiffin and Ole Miss. Like middle-of-the-pack SEC team. Mm-hmm. Or you could be where you're going to be middle. Like you're really going to have to grind your ass off and in three years hope you're on the two deep. Right. Or you come to a school like Iowa State where you could probably get on the field in year one or two. Like, what do you like? Because my whole thing, like, is I look at this scenario, there's the same amount of players. Yeah. Just because guys are getting paid more at like certain, like, don't guys still want to be able to play to be able to show what they can do for the next level? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing what's going to kind of mess it up is the parents. Because you're gonna have parents that have a have their kid obviously have a huge influence on where they go, and they're gonna tell their kid, "Well, you should go here because you're gonna make four or five hundred thousand dollars more than what you would do at this other school." And now maybe going to that one school and making more money as an eighteen to twenty one, twenty two year old seems beneficial, but in the long term, it may not be. And I think that's just kind of where the dynamic is of where people are going to start to figure out, like, what's better? Is it better to go to uh, a school to make more money or to to go to a school and get a, a solid education and to hopefully develop myself into a professional athlete to be able to play in the NFL? You and, like, you and Joel are great examples of this. I, it's funny. I was I was talking to one of the basketball coaches today. They took over a program that won two games. 
and they went to the Sweet 16. And now I was like, God, that kind of like that kind of sucks for you guys because now everybody's going to expect it. <laughs> yeah. Right. When it shows how hard it is to go to a Sweet 16, is yeah. my point. Like I think back to all these Hoiberg teams, like it was really rare to yeah. get to a Sweet 16. I think of you and Joel. I think of you guys as definitely uh, two of the best players I've ever covered. And I've seen how hard it was for you to get to where you are. And Joel didn't, he didn't make it in the NFL. Right. And, and, and that's like where it's like, it's really interesting to me. Like you're the, you're the best wide receiver I've ever seen at Iowa state. I'm sorry. Todd Blythe is a dear friend of mine. (laughs) Shout out Todd. Todd and Brad right there. Actually, I think that's a Jarvis West jersey, but I... That's definitely from uh, the Rose area. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a Jarvis West jersey, but I always say it's Todd because I don't... He is the number one. Yeah. That's why I, I love Todd. I love yeah. Todd. I'm a, they do a podcast for us. Did you know that? No, I don't. We'll have to get you on it sometime. Yeah. The I'll Meyer and Blythe podcast. It's phenomenal. Or the running back next year. Yeah, they're really good. Um, my, I guess my point is, it's like, if you're a guy, like, do you get your money now... Or do you bet on yourself? It's just a really interesting dichotomy because it is. Yeah. There's no guarantee that any of these guys are making it to the NFL. All right, but I think you know, I really bet on myself back in high school. This is before. Oh, uh, dude, uh, you uh, put uh, all uh, in on yourself <laughs> by when you went to Iowa State, right? And that's because I had a a huge belief in myself of being where I would am here today, to be in the NFL, to be able to be the number one wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers of all the teams in the NFL and everything. I saw that as a 16-year-old kid. I, I knew what my path was going to be or what my end results were going to be. I didn't know necessarily the path I was going to take to get there, mm-hmm. to get to where I am. But So, yeah, it's definitely going to – that's how kids are going to have to look at it from here on out of – is it the money? Because a lot of kids, especially in college football – that money can is life changing money, not only for them but for their families as well. So, it's putting a lot more pressure on on younger kids to make, you know, adult decisions. You said earlier that if you could have transferred, you probably would have. Absolutely. Are you glad that that <laughs> rule wasn't in place? Um. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. From. I really appreciate my experience that I had at Iowa State. The and the relationships that I have with the teammates that I have there and the coaches to be able to come back, you know, because if, <clears throat> if I would have transferred, I would have never known coach Campbell. Like I do obviously. And would I have came back and tried to train here and how would that dynamic work and everything? You know, I don't think it would have been as clean or as, as inviting, you know, I'm sure he probably would have talked a lot of, a lot of shit about me on how I just ran away <laughs> from that perspective. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, but money talks too. <laughs> so, well, I'm not even talking about the NIL stuff. I'm just saying like the, tra- the immediate transfer rule where you can leave and not have to, right. To sit out. Cause there's a debate if, cause I'm pro player. I am pro the players should be able to mm-hmm. do what's best for them. The other side would come back and say, well, we need like, this is higher education. We're teaching these young men how to yeah. tough it out you, you've heard it all which yeah. i think is bullshit but yeah it is especially the the to, that's my biggest like thing that irks me is like well you're getting a free education it's like well i mean i have a communication studies degree 
will I necessarily actually use that to benefit myself later in life? Who knows? And that's just for my personal degree. I know a lot of guys that have other degrees that they don't use. Yeah. You know, so it's like, well, is that degree really worth that? And well, I didn't know at 18 that this is what I wanted to do when I was 26 or 30 years old, you know? And so you put all this pressure on a kid to, to pick his career, to pick his path from that standpoint, just to entertain people. And then, and so like, it's kind of a, does it pit, did it piss you off at the time to see the number five jerseys at the bookstore? No, that was, that was my biggest like pride. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's yeah. a cool answer. Most guys would probably go the other way on that. Yeah. That's, that's my, cool. That's definitely my biggest pride. Cause I still see five jerseys all the time. You but know. you didn't get any royalties off of that. I got $0 from that. Those guys should be getting paid for that, right? Uh, absolutely. It's name, image, and likeness within itself right there. But, you know, I've always been someone that's wanted to leave a legacy, and I don't really care more so about the money or anything. I want to, in 50, 100, 200 years from now, I, I want my name to still have a lot of meaning, whether it be here in the state of Iowa, Iowa State University, or just across the world. That's cool. No, that's a that's a really good answer. I think Niang went the other way when I asked him that. <laughs> Naturally, he's a bossing <laughs> guy, you know. This uh, you guys remind me of each other in this sense, though, because I've said the same thing about both of you. Neither of you are a pain in the ass. <laughs> like you. w- when you're, well, no, for real. Like when you're when you're a guy in the league, and you're at the time kind of a tweener. When you get to the Packers, we didn't know what was going to happen with you. Right. We're, we're kind of like, man, I hope he sticks. If you were a pain in the ass, you wouldn't have stuck. Correct. I mean, you're good, but you're not. You weren't that good at the time, right? All right. I mean, Clearly is that I got drafted? Is that a lesson though? Like, because I said the same thing about Niang. Like Niang, like I always thought he'd play for ten years because he's such a good teammate mm-hmm. and he's so good in the community and stuff like that. Is there is there something to that? Yeah, just, I think that's just um, life in general, relationships, business is just treating people the right way, going about the business the right way, going about your business the right way. And yeah, just from like that perspective of just, I, I go about my business and work the same way, regardless if I'm playing football, if I'm doing my homework or a relationship that I have or whatever, like I'm, I go about it the same way. So I think, um, that definitely carries over. And another thing I learned too, we had a, one of my best friends, Marty Murdoch, um, when he first, he transferred from Illinois to Iowa state my junior year. And the reason why he did that was because of coach Golish and he was previously at Illinois. And the reason why he came was because of the relationship that he had with coach Golish. And I remember him like coming up and speaking to the team of like not burning bridges just because, you know, maybe we didn't have the best relationship at the beginning, but like, I've always just kept true to myself and just kind of kept myself of, of that single way. So when I remember, I remember hearing that back when I was a junior and like a voice and my parents have obviously mm-hmm. um, raised me the right way from that standpoint. And I've always had the right people around me, but I've just, you know, I think relationships is, is all that matters in this world, whether it's athletics or business, like you're going to get hired because you know, so-and-so's cousin that, used to work with your brother or whatever. And because you met him at a formal, you met him out one night and just because you were nice and you handled your business in a, pro- a professional way that led to you getting this job opportunity. And so I'm, I'm always on, on cue with those things. I've like just always handling myself the same way. 
Well, you're going to be playing football a long time. I'm confident in that. Do you do you know like what you would want to do next? Have you thought about it at all? You said you don't want to coach. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not coaching. I respect that. I don't know how those coaches do. I don't either. I, I respect them, and they they're the backbones to our success at the end of the day because they have to teach us everything basically from the head up or from the neck up on how to play the game, on how to anticipate things and the tendencies and what to what to anticipate. So, what what and you know, maybe I'll do podcasts. Something like that. We'll make some room for you. Okay. Didn't Marchie just get a podcast? Something like that. He's always doing something. <laughs> but he's a coach now, too. Where is he coaching at? Down in Dallas. Down in okay. Dallas. I'm not sure where he's. I know he's from uh, He's from Arlington, but I don't think it's one of those schools. He's a big tweeter. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the world that he lives in. Yeah, he's sure. always he's always out there tweeting. I've always told him he needs to have his own like reality TV show. <laughs> like he, His personality is, is literally... He's the, probably the funniest person I've ever met. In my Very contagious life. personality. Yes, always happy, always upbeat. Um, I remember one year, cracking jokes. Big Twelve Media Days. All of a sudden, there was just this guy who was like blending in with the media and started yeah. asking Campbell like crazy questions. Yeah, and I I didn't recognize him at first, and then I realized it was him. But yeah. none of the other media like had a clue who this guy was. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Yeah, he's a, he's a great great human being. If anyone knows Mighty Burdock, they're they're lucky. I gotta so, ask you: Do you? I got in a fight with some Kansas State guys mm-hmm. recently. These Kansas State like bloggers. Okay. Do you have like? Do the, do the does that team haunt you? Because you got screwed in the one game where you had the pass interference. Yeah. It was a worst non. When that guy picked up the flag, non-call. When that guy picked up the flag, I mean, you had to want to like physically assault that referee, even though you didn't. You you held some restraint, but that was that's one of the most. uh, And I'm an Iowa State fan. That's one of the that might be the worst. You think so? That might be. What else would compare to it? Well, you brought up Marchie, and that's what brought me into my head. Is that Oklahoma State? I mean, he had a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that now that I wouldn't call that the worst. That was pretty questionable. There was the charge against Kansas, the the kneeing year. Yeah, um, I was at that game. I remember. I think that the Aaron Craft, mm. Ohio State game probably would stand out to me because I, I do think that we could have gone to the Final Four that year. Yeah. But I I honestly think the worst call. I can remember, in my career, this is year eighteen for me going into this was the picked-up flag against Kansas State. Yeah, I could agree with that just because they threw it originally. Yeah, that's the whole point. If they wouldn't have thrown it originally, I would have like, given it, it the benefit been of another, it. another non-blown call from that standpoint. But they threw it, probably got radioed in, hey, pick it up, and then they picked it up. So, yeah. I don't, See, like, this I don't is really, what I say I, about fans. I still think about this, Alan. Yeah, I like, don't. No, I do. Like, I'll be rocking my daughter at 2 a.m. because she's crying. I'm like, God damn it, they picked up that flag. <laughs> Yeah, my my head's definitely in a different space. <laughs> I haven't matured. <laughs> You're more mature than me now. Uh, so, but then one. there was the damn um, 2015 where the, we should have downed it. Yeah, like that's. I mean, oh if God. we say that, then maybe we don't have Coach Campbell. That's true. So, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm like, I'm always everything we're, happens for a reason. We're past the statute here, so. I um that the Mangino tweets mm. after that game. Yeah. Do you have any opinions on those? I can I can ask you that now. 
<sighs> felt like I couldn't right when you graduated. Now you're. To be a, honest, I don't really remember them too much. He was like mocking you guys. Yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> to say the least. It's very unfortunate of that situation. Oh, I was so mad how he got brought brought in and everything to kind of quote unquote save the the program or save the offense from that nature. And I knew it was bad. I knew it was bad when it was we went down to Texas Tech. Oh, that was the and in in Warren was averaging like nine yards a carry. Yeah, and then the <laughs> the, the first play of the game. I remember on Tuesday during practice, we we, we repped that play. I couldn't call what it was, but I know it was a comeback. Devario, I'm pretty sure, on the outside had a comeback. On Tuesday, we repped the play maybe once or twice, and then we canned it. Like, you know, we, you, you, come in, you go into a week with maybe like 40, 50 plays, you probably knock it down to like 30. Mm-hmm. Of like new additional plays that are, are good to run against this defense. And that was one of the plays that we just weren't really executing and just didn't have a good feel for. So when we got in the huddle and we called it the first play of the game, and then we go out and throw a pick, that's all I knew. <laughs> you know, things It's things, not going to go well. Yeah, you know. I, there's a one time, I'm patting myself on the back here a little bit, but it was very classless of me at the time. <laughs> it's the only time in my career where I've come out and said, this guy needs to be fired. It was after that exact game. Really? Well, I want to go back, and I'm just going off of memory. I swear Mike Warren was averaging like seven, eight yards per carry in the first half. Mm -hmm. And we just, I think Sam threw the ball like 60 times. Yeah. It didn't help that they would score like every two or three (laughs) plays. You're right. And we were down 30, 40 points already. Yeah, it's kind of a bullshit thing to blame the offensive coordinator when you can't. Stop them defensively. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, was there's just, a lot of things that went wrong. I was just so mad at uh, how that Mangino thing went down because it just seems so classless to me. And I've never really let that one go. Yeah. I generally defend you guys a little too much. Like, say I'm sitting here however many years later, like five, six years later, and I'm still pissed up off about that guy picking up the flag. Right. I'll never forget that game, though. So – I wasn't at it. I, You guys played, I think it was a 2.30 kick, and then basketball had a game that tipped off at like 7. Yep. So Bloom and I were on the call, the basketball game, because the, the A team was at football. Mm-hmm. And your game ended, the picked-up flag game ended, and we had to go on pregame like five minutes after that happened. <laughs> and I just went on a rant. I lost it. And this is on a network broadcast. This isn't Cyclone Fanatic. This is a network broadcast where you're supposed to be professional. Right. And I, I could not, I couldn't control myself. I was so yeah. mad. Well, that was the year we finally started winning games, and yeah, we were going to a bowl game. Obviously. We got screwed. Like we won that game. That was, and then the week before that was the Oklahoma State game, I believe. So, yeah, we we didn't finish that season the best way. Uh, well, the the Liberty Bowl, I guess. Turned out in our just, favor. Just glad I got. The, I still got that Liberty Bull poster up there. Oh, there's Marchie right there. Yeah. yeah, you and Marchie and Joel and that Liberty Bull. Kyle you, Count. You guys did make a. I watched that game a handful of times since then. That that was the turning point to me for Iowa State. Everybody says the Oklahoma game, which totally like out of nowhere, thirty point underdogs, all that stuff. That's the biggest win in Iowa State history. 
Like, I yeah, I don't care what anybody says. That's the biggest win in Iowa State. Not history. the TCU game. No, hmm. no, the TCU game. You proved it. Like, and that was stamped ourselves. That was huge, right? Like, you win in horse. You got to prove it. Like, mm-hmm. that was all that. the The Oklahoma game was the biggest game because it just it was so the thing, out of nowhere. The thing about that too is that a lot of people don't realize. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said this before. <laughs> Pour this man some more Cody Rowe. <laughs> but the night before in the hotel, me and Joel were roommates every single week. Yeah. I remember being in the hotel with Joel. And now we haven't beaten Oklahoma since my dad played back in 93, 94, whenever it was. Oh, your dad was on that team? My dad was on that team. Wow. And I was at Oklahoma too. I just remember sitting up there with Joel. And we're just sitting there talking just like – you know, I think we're one and two at this point. We just lost to Texas. We got Kyle, who has never really played a <laughs> collegiate snap before. And then we're his first there. series, I was like, oh, no. And we're sitting there just like, <laughs> we're about to get our ass beat tomorrow. We truly believe, like, we were going to get our ass beat tomorrow. <laughs> now, obviously, like, you go into a game, try your hardest and everything, and believing from that standpoint, but... I just remember, like, me and Joel just talking, like, man, like, this this is going to be another year, you know? Because it was, like, week four, week three or whatever it was, and just, like, man. I saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. And so (laughs) when we we won, just in the locker room was just one of the craziest. And and that night, too, I probably threw one of the best parties in (laughs) games. And you can ask anybody about that. Two Good, two, time, two times I threw probably one of the best parties in names. You deserved it. I did. I did. It was that night. I remember well, as soon as the game was over, I called my friend Orion, who was back home. I said, "Hey, clean up the house. We're having people over." <laughs> oh yeah, hell yeah! So we had um, I had a hell of a party that night too, right down here in this basement. Really, bunch of people from Ames came down from the <laughs> athletic department. No, so that was the biggest win because it just came so far out of nowhere and. Yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't believe that you guys would even compete in that game. I mean, I, no. the park deal, like all the drama leading yeah. up to it. Um, they made the switch with the defense, which ultimately was huge, and it, and that has changed Iowa State football the way we know it. And it's Coach been, Haycock, yeah, one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. I, been, I don't think he does. Definitely doesn't get enough enough recognition for that as well, especially if you compare him to the Alabamas, the Georgias, the USC's and everything of the talent that he's had to work with from that standpoint. Yeah, you think Oklahoma wouldn't want that guy the last five years? Exactly. So he's definitely an unsung hero to the success Iowa State has had. I I would completely agree. The um, I think that's the biggest win. I was fully convinced that we were kind of turning the corner when you guys won the Liberty Bowl, though, because when – that, oh God, I'm trying to, there was a bullshit call at the end of the Liberty Bowl too, right? Uh, David. Yes. David, we had not fumbled yeah. once. Yeah, the fumble. Tight. That's we what it was. We were the only team. That's what it was. In, in college football to never fumble all year. And it's clear as day that David crossed the goal line. Clear as day. Now, maybe the camera angle that they used didn't help justify that, but it was pretty evident that he crossed and he scored we fumbled the ball, and that was the one time that we lost a fumble all year. Okay, so that happened. Now, during the Oklahoma game, this is a true story. I'm watching it downstairs. My dad left. 
because I was so negative. I kept being like, ah, oh, we're going to fuck this up. Like, I, you know, classic Iowa State fan, yep. right? Absolutely. My dad left because he couldn't watch the game with me anymore. He went upstairs. We So we had separated. That game, like, I had still, like, so I watched you beat Texas Tech, and I'm like, okay, they proved it against TCU. Everybody in that Liberty Bowl, by the way, was the best sports atmosphere I maybe have ever been in because it was 50 50. Yeah, well, it was crazy. It was in Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> in Memphis. And there were all like, the, it looked like a Red River shootout. Right. And it, it was, and all the drunk Iowa State fan, like, it was yeah. just incredible. And it was probably one, I would say, now I would say it's the second coldest game I've ever played in. Really? Yeah. That wind, it was pretty windy, right? It was very windy that day, and it was very cold. Luckily, it was uh, a noon kickoff or or uh, 11 o'clock kickoff. Maybe so we had some sun to save us, but freezing. Was the coldest one, were you in that Kansas game? I was there, but I, I wasn't uh, part of the team yet. Grant Rohach started that game. Yes, he did. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I was there with uh, Jordan Harris, actually. Me and J- Jordan and I were both technically on our visit. Oh, okay. We watched the game. For what a him. visit. <laughs> yeah. We well, I mean, I, at that point, who would, yeah, but like <laughs> Jordan's from like Mississippi and he's up there for that. Like, why right. did he go there? Well, it's because he was he was Juco, so yeah. it was like the one week that he could not that he didn't have a game that he could come up to it. There's like 20,000 people there, it's below zero. <laughs> was there 20 that reported? Yeah, there was, yeah, yeah, maybe in the campers outside the stadium. Oh. if we counted those people, but yeah, I watched the game from the Jacobson building. Oh, I don't blame which you, which was. My point is when when that bullshit call happened to David, I was convinced it was over. Yeah. We're gonna lose. We're back to being Iowa State. I was convinced of it. Like I had given up at that point, which mm-hmm. is terrible. And then you that to me was like it was time after time after time in that season where I just kept going, oh, I'm just waiting for it. And then you guys prevailed oh, and like yeah. it, there is a difference and I bowl games aren't what they used to be. God, that seems like yesteryear, yeah. talking about that Liberty Bowl, when you consider how many guys sit out bowl games and stuff now. Right. But to me, like, the way you guys put a stamp on that year, Memphis was good. Like, they, Oh, very. They were a really good team. Right. And you, I don't know, to me, like, that was where I where I became I think a believer. They, they messed up, though, when they flipped the helmet upside down. <laughs> oh, my God, I because forgot about that. we're like – we're just happy to be here. And now you're like disrespecting us. And so it's like, and then Campbell, once Campbell gets anything that he can light on fire. Oh, what did he do? Oh, just, you know, he motivated us and talking to how much disrespectful these guys are. Didn't they, you like flip their helmet over at the post game press conference? I did. Yeah. And then the, like the, <laughs> epic. the, the bowl committee guy like flipped it back over. I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. <laughs> These motherfuckers going <laughs> to flip my shit over. Don't touch my stuff. And they were doing it before the game. Like, you did it after you, you know, proven it. Yeah. 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 And that game, too. Another thing about that game was that I caught a slant, like, on a third and four or five. It was right before I caught the last touchdown. It was that same drive. And I probably sustained one of the worst ankle injuries I've ever had in my entire career. Really? And people don't know, like, my ankle was fucked up. And was for probably another year and a half. And like, really? I, I had a, like, and I, four weeks later, I'm playing in the senior bowl with literally a bum ankle. Oh, man. Then I had to train for the the combine with a bum ankle. I had to do pro day with a bum ankle. Then I go undrafted. So it's like, I never, ever gave it time to heal. 
properly and got the yeah. got the appropriate treatment for it. So I was already behind the eight ball from that perspective of like my whole I couldn't run on my right side for a good year or so until my second year in Green Bay. So do you like you're cool with guys skipping bowl games then I would assume after your experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would I mean, you having done that? See, or would you be like, no, I want to be on that, that poster. I I needed that. I needed everything. I needed the the win. I needed the MVP trophy, the offensive like to cap to capture my senior season yeah. the way that I did to finish my last career game the way that I did. I mean, it was worth that ankle because I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still here, <laughs> you know. So yeah, no doubt. So do you think I would have changed much? Like, do you think you would have been drafted had you not played in that game? Yeah. I would have been able to showcase more of my talents. Yeah. You know, I was literally down there in in Mobile, Alabama, and, like, playing against the best kids in the country at that point. You know, it's the Senior Bowl. And I was not confident in myself because I couldn't stand on my ankle by itself. But there was such a stigma around me that I wasn't a hard worker and that I didn't love the game. And so if I sat out of that, now it, it pushes that narrative even more. And so which – I probably should have and just like ate that bullet and gotten healthy and everything. But I was like, nah, I'm too much of a competitor and like I'm here for a reason. And I wanted to prove that. Like, where do you hear that from? Like your agents telling you that or my agent, uh, the coaches. And I was, I was like, I was so much different in college and how I went about things because the, I, I truly believe the reason why I went on draft is because I played too many snaps in college. They mm. had too much film on me from when I first started at Iowa State. Yeah. The fourth play of the game, Quentin Bundard tears his ACL, and that's what put me in that position from a freshman year. Because if not, he was supposed to be that. that guy. Yeah. He was supposed to be and that he guy. he was really good. Very good. And we had other guys too, Dondre Daly, DeVario Montgomery, Tad Eckby, just a um, list of couple guys. Um, so I wasn't – I remember like talking to little man Gino going to that week of like – You'll probably get like 20, 25 snaps, maybe. Like, your role is probably going to be more in special teams starting off, blah, blah, blah. And I was okay with that. And then he tears his ACL, and then, Alan, you're in. <laughs> like, and you're the guy. And now I'm the guy. And so they had four years of film of losing football. And it's and people don't realize how hard it is to play losing football. And when you're playing from behind the whole time, and you're really the only – threat that yeah. we really had offensively that now I'm getting doubled I was exhausted I'm playing 80 plus snaps a week so like the the workload that I took in college was exponential to a lot of other people and so I think that's what really hindered me in the whole draft process evaluation if I would have came out my junior year I probably would have got drafted because I had a had a phenomenal junior year I think I had maybe 10 plus touchdowns over a thousand yards mm-hmm. uh, you know I kind of like really took a big step that year. That's always a difficult thing with these guys. Cause it's like, I feel like a lot of you guys would always prefer to come back, but then there's the eh, money, <laughs> but with it's NLI, different now. with NLI, it's like, well, I mean, look at I like can for sure. Guarantee myself another couple hundred thousand or it's like, whatever it's it is. totally different. Basketball is a different animal, but like Baycott from North Carolina, he's a guy who's like classic middle to end of the second round throw him in the G league, see if he can, mm-hmm. well, now he can go back to North Carolina and make a 1.5 million. Right. 
You know? Crazy. And like that's gonna happen in football too. You hope. You hope. I, I really hope that there's a a secondary league that comes about, you know. Like right now it's basically if you don't make the NFL, it's so hard to get back into the league. You're talking like the XFL, like hopefully Correct. it takes off. XFL, USFL, even you know, the league CFL up there, like if they would if they would just invest more money into that. Feels like the XFL has a shot with the it it's got a little bit of a relationship with the NFL. You would hope. It's but, got a TV deal, the rock. But people are so especially the NFL is just so money hungry that they don't want to disperse more of their money at a lower level from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. So that's more trainers, more coaches, more um strength coaches, TV. Like there's so much money that is put forth just to make the NFL be a thing. That's what's insane to me about the college game. It's just the amount of like money that's involved now and and listen, like I you know, I, I come at it from a different perspective than you. Obviously I'm not a D one NFL <laughs> wide receiver, look at me. Um I do see a value in education because here's why, Alan, because I, I did women's basketball play by play for a long time. And I'd travel around and it, like those women are like true student, totally different scenario than like mm-hmm. your life. And like, I, I value it from, from that standpoint too. Like I know guys like you and David and like, but I also like, know like Morgan Kane on this year's women's basketball team is going to really thrive from whatever degree she gets in those opportunities. But like, what's insane to me is that like in the big 10, this doesn't pertain to Iowa state because the money's not going to be like this, but like these big 10 schools are about to cash like $120 million a year from television. That doesn't include tickets, parking, right? Donations, concessions, concession. They're doing beer now. Yeah. Everything. Gambling's about to start be legal. Yeah. And they're still tax exempt from the government and the players aren't getting a dime. Welcome to America. Yeah. We're going to ask like the the fans to fund these collectives, which whatever, like I'm not anti-collective. I actually think that they're a good thing for like what we have right now, but it's just, it's just crazy to me. Right. No, yeah. I definitely think the universities should be the ones or the conferences should be the ones. And I think that's a good point. I think, uh, the money should be distributed like via playing time. You know, how much are you playing? Because if you're playing, that means you're on TV. That means you're providing the entertainment. That means you're, you're part of that revenue that's being generated. So you should be dispersed some of the money, even if you're not playing as much. But I mean, that's how it is for us in a sense. Like we get, um, we get the thing called player performance, right? So my first year, I made over three hundred thousand dollars just from the play, just from the place that I played. Let alone my salary, like because I was really, it, it, and, it, and it goes, it, um, it's individual to each team. So me being a first year guy, undrafted, making the lowest amount on the team, and playing. So every play, I don't, I don't know what the exact number was. Let's say it was two hundred dollars every play I was getting. Where Aaron. Aaron's making probably $20 because, well, why is that? Well, he's making $20, $30 million for the year. I'm making a couple hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So they reward the lower guys from that standpoint by paying them on the back end of how many plays they were able to play. Fascinating. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, so I think that's – I mean, that was a huge thing, and 
I've gotten screwed over because of COVID because they took that away the past two years. So I just made my salary when I could have been making probably because you got COVID. No, no, because oh, because oh, of COVID. Oh, they just wiped it all together. They they put it on a back hold. Oh. So they said we're not going to do the player performance checks anymore because we're going to take that away because we're losing revenue. We're obviously not oh. having the fans coming in. We're, yeah. we're losing concessions. We're losing all this stuff. So we're going to hold the player performance checks, um, which I finally will get paid this year in October from the 2020 season. Oh, they're ju- they just withheld them, and you're getting the correct, money. correct. So I think that dynamic would be that's interesting. Great to implement towards college athletics. Well, because that that's my deal. Like I and I'm, I'm if you a, don't play, it's like well, I'm play a, play I'm, if you want to make money, play. I'm a marketing guy, and it pisses me off when people say name, image, and likeness, and then they're like, "Well, every player on the team is going to get fifty thousand dollars." Yeah, that's not name, image, and likeness. Right. Your name, image, and likeness was a lot larger than the backup middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. Right? Like or the walk on that will never see the field. Yeah. Like there's just it's not all created equal and that's that's life. Should, yeah. So we shouldn't we yeah. can't change the dynamic of life or the real world from that perspective. All right. Do you know your uh Madden rating? I do just because everyone's been tweeting it at me. Oh really? <laughs> I think it's like seventy seven, seventy six. Do you have it written down? Yeah, I, I looked it up. 77, you're right. Yeah, 77. So I guess I'm a 77. I guess I'm a C-plus player <laughs> in the NFL, according to the people that generate these games and whatnot, because they've played. Yeah. They've done the. I the love them. But I thought, though, like, I'm so over Madden, too, and I've been done with Madden and these sports games a while now because they've just they've ruined them from the stance of like making players 99 now. Oh, oh yeah, like you who's know, a ninety nine? Like, yeah, it's, it's like well, not everyone's a ninety. Like to be a ninety nine, to be that elite of a status, like there's only a few people ever. Like Aaron Donald, hands down, ninety nine player. Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Adams, sure, but just to be able to like throw it out there now, I'm just like everyone's just like it's all about the Madden rating now. It's like well. Who is deciding the matting rating? Because we have zero input. <laughs> zero input. And like they have me as like a 90 speed, too. It's like, well, I was always critiqued on my speed. I was just going to say, you were supposed to be slow. I was supposed to be slow. So it's like, they, you know, it's, a, it's an algorithm on how they build the overall. So it's like, well, he needs to be a 77. So now we have to jack up his speed just to make sure that he gets up there because his catching's really only a 62. It's like, how do you know my catching's a 62? <laughs> You know, it's all based off of, off the games. I'm guessing. Do you play games? You a gamer? FIFA. I play you, FIFA. FIFA is the most realistic sports game. You were big into Fortnite. I actually went back and listened to the last podcast we did, just so yeah. I could, <laughs> which was a long time ago, like six years ago, and you were into Fortnite at that time. Yeah, that's, that's came and passed. I'll say that. Not not too much. Do you watch like Premier League? I try to. Who's your team? I like Man- Manchester United. Um, How do you root for them? They're like the Yankees. Um, I was a big um, – my favorite player is Lon Ibrahimovic. Okay. I don't know if you know who that is. I, I'm um, an Arsenal guy, so. Um, so the the Swedish god, as I like to refer to him as. <laughs> um, but So when I first kind of got big into soccer, it was like 2014, and that's when he transferred from PSG to Manchester United. I didn't really have a team, so I was just like, you know what? Man U sounds like a great team. So uh, I want to say like I'm a diehard Man U Red Devil, but 
I enjoy the Premier League and I enjoy the, the the game of soccer. I think it's a beautiful sport and having like I use the soccer ball to warm up every single day now, and that's just because of my like little niche and it 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 helps me with balance. It helps what do you do? Just kick the ball against the wall. Mm. It helps me warm up my hips, my legs, and I like to juggle because juggling when you're bad at it, <laughs> it keeps you completely off balance and like having to adjust constantly. Yeah. So it, that so makes from, sense. So from that perspective, like I'm constantly working at different angles and different balance, trying to balance while also trying to keep the ball elevated and not kicking it halfway across the room. Hmm. So that's something I took up about two years ago and have continued to do. Yeah. I got into it when the pandemic hit and they were one of the only games in town. Yeah. So I just randomly picked Arsenal. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I think you're probably more into it than I am. Yeah. I would, I would say that. So. Yeah. But no, it's it's good. Well, it's awesome. You've given me a lot of your time. I appreciate it, neighbor. Yeah. You, you're not for be, long. <laughs> yeah, because you you're going back. But yeah. no, we, you, you and David make it so hard for me as a Vikings fan. But I, I appreciate your time and everything. It's, it's been, it's been cool to watch you giving back and doing all the stuff this summer, man. It's Thank been you. awesome. Thank you. Keep really that up it. and let us know for real how we can help with the, with the yeah. foundation. Cause I think that that's a, that's a neat thing. And like you said, that's something, you know, Niang's been doing those golf tournaments and that mm-hmm. thing that he does every year. And like, that's awesome. Like I'm, I'm all about, I'm all about that stuff. We need you guys back in the community and whatnot. And it helps Iowa state too. Like to have you all hanging out here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I said, I never had anyone to look up to. I never had anyone from the NFL coming back and like to be able to ask questions and like pick their brain or anything. So I'm trying to be everything that I wanted as a kid or as a college athlete. So George Monte Naz, those guys do a great job of, of doing their part as well. That is kind of neat, though. There's a lot of guys from your generation who are doing awesome things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool, too, to just be able to – because I grew up, like I said, idolizing those guys, and now they're, you know, really good friends of mine and acquaintances. So to be able to go to – I've gone to so many NFL or NBA games because of them, you know. I'm like, hey, I'm in town. Like, give me tickets. (laughs) (laughs) And they know they can come to a football game whenever they want to and everything. Well, when when Fred got – I'm a Bulls fan. So mm. when Fred got fired, that was one of the worst. Yeah, that was tough. Fandom wise for me, that was brutal. He hooked him up with tickets one time too. <laughs> him and Charlie, I could always count on being courtside with the Bulls there right. for a while. Then, man, some yeah. rough years. I know. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you.